tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about chapters 29 and 30 of Any Way the Wind Blows. Uh, we start off in chapter 29 with Simon. Uh, he and Baz are taking the two back after visiting Lady Salisbury, and Simon reflects that he has not done this previously because of, you know, his wings. Uh, Simon and Baz are going back to Simon's bachelor flat and they talk about how they think Lady Salisbury is right. So the next step is meeting the fake chosen one. Chapter 30. Penny is getting ready to go to a maybe AK magical creatures bar with, with Shepard, which hilariously looks like every dive bar minus the elaborate password to get in and the Ent bartender. Turns out, though, the person that they're looking for works down the street at a chain coffee shop, much to Penny's relief. Uh, only the barrister is like, I actually can't totally do this, but y'all are fucked. <laughs> yep. Um, we have several things to check in about before we get into the episode proper. Jesse and I each have a piece of listener contribution to talk to you folks about like to to share to share with the class that are really fun so you'll be rewarded for sticking through the announcements um announcement one on the gaily planet we are potentially becoming a star trek the next generation podcast the episode that went up Two, I think two weeks ago, as of when you're listening to this, is about episode about the pilot episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And if you are excited by the idea of listening to me and Jesse talk about Star Trek, you should go listen because we will be deciding the fate of the podcast based on how much you all want to listen to it, aka the downloads. So check that out. Second thing. If you skipped the bonus episode that's titled something like Patreon bonus compilation because you were like, eh, whatever, um, you should go listen. It's really fun. Third, there's a free for everyone behind the scenes video on Patreon. If you want to know what it looks like to make a podcast, you can go watch it. The link's in the show notes. I forgot what number I'm on. Four? I don't know. Um, I'm doing a thing. <laughs> Where I'll draw your face or your pet's face or your friend's face in exchange for some money because Rufio has a lot of vet bills right now and the portraits are cute and you can check that out if you want to. That's all of those things. And now, Jesse, do you want to start the listener contribution section of this podcast? Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So this actually comes from the hashtag Ruthless Discord, which you could join. If you become a patron at any level, if you want to talk to other fans and occasionally me. But someone answered from last episode when we were kind of talking about like, what does it mean to be like knighted? You know, like the lady version, like like in what capacity is uh, she Lady Salisbury? So the title lady is either from those who are married to someone who is knighted 
or is themselves a baroness, viscountess, courtess, or some other thing that I cannot pronounce, or is married to a baron, viscount, earl, or... Nobility. Yeah. Nobility. Some kind of, some kind of nobility. So, and a, and a lady who is knighted becomes a dame, a.k.a. Dame Judy Dench, Dame Maggie Smith, for example. And from another person in Discord, uh, that lady is also a term of address and a rank for the wives of knights and baronets. It's also a term of addressing only for women of higher rank, a.k.a. Viscountess, Countess, blah, 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 some kind of nobility. And more importantly to think to this discussion is women who hold a rank on their own are lady, their first name, and women who hold a rank by marriage are lady, last name. So Lady Salisbury is Lady Salisbury because her husband must have been some kind of nobility. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, thank you for everyone in Discord who apparently watched too many period <laughs> piece media. I do not do that. So I clearly, that's why I was like, I do not know enough about this. <laughs> I like completely <laughs> forgot that lady and dame were not the same thing. Um I think whoever started the Discord conversation, like, left a comment and was like, I talked more about this in Discord, but, like, Lady and Dame aren't the same thing. And I was like, oh, right. I forgot. Okay. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So thank you both to the folks that uh, had that correction, because I was like, didn't think to look it up. And I'm like, this is good to know. Yeah. Agreed. Um, Okay. So I have a fun email. This is actually referencing... Well, one thing that's relevant now, and then one thing that is from like a long time ago. Um, Okay, so yes, Gray sent us an email. We were talking, wondering about the spell that the mage used to make Simon, basically. And we know that he used things from the Bible and things from Beowulf. And so they said that they worked on healing their religious trauma by researching Bible quotes for cute queer fictional mages. Um, Great job. (laughs) (laughs) and found this uh revelations 12 3 then another sign appeared in heaven and behold a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and on his heads were seven diadems and they said i think this one works mostly because not only does the dragon appear from heaven but it also has the most magical of numbers seven we also know that the mage was obsessed with the number seven in his spell casting for simon And then they said, I I looked for a quote from Beowulf and found this one. After many trials, he was destined to face the end of his days in this mortal world, as was the dragon for all his long leasehold on the treasure. Um, It's from the part of Beowulf where Beowulf destroys the dragon in the final battle between good and evil. And Beowulf is also mortally wounded. They said this feels like possibly a good contender because it talks about the end of days linking to the mage's idea of Simon being a sacrifice. This is excellent research. Thank you. Uh, I love, I love all of this and yeah, no, both of these feel very much like if you're trying to bring about a chosen one and maybe you're involving dragons in your evil magic, dubious, dubious magic. uh, These both sound, yeah. Very true to form. Yeah, totally. So. Um, And then they closed out their email saying um, that they also want to talk about the reading of Agatha as aromantic. 
Um, it says, as someone who recently discovered I was ace, it's been really validating to read Agatha as Arrow. And at first, I was skeptical of her attraction to Neve as it seemed to verge into the realms of romance. But after sitting with it for a bit, I realized that it read more like sexual, not romantic attraction. I just wanted to thank you, I suppose, for showing me some Arrow rep in literature that I love. So, yeah, another check in the we're doing a good job at reading category. Love to be validated. (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, love to have a reading that resonates with people, especially since... uh, So neither of us are on the Ace Arrow spectrum. Um, So it's, it's, it's good that we are not overstepping in our read of Agatha. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Also, thank you, everyone, for, like, talking to us about things. I know that sometimes it takes us, like, three months to respond to emails, or sometimes we forget entirely, but that doesn't mean that we don't read them and enjoy them. So please keep doing it. And uh, also leave us a five-star review with written words, because we like those, too. I've been listening to Material Girls, and I love that they just, like, five times an episode will just, like, randomly be like leave us a review and i was like does that work i bet that works they have so many reviews we should start doing that <laughs> you know i actually was also thinking that because i also noticed that when listening to matera girls and i'm like you could just casually just drop it and you're like this isn't this isn't awkward just just do it anyway. yeah <laughs> all right yeah so now we're finally actually going to talk about the thing so welcome to easy come easy go where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else um, I don't know if you want to talk about this more, but I just find it deeply funny that Baz does not want to go to Simon's bachelor hovel. He's like, do you have a bed? <laughs> do you have bath towels? Do you have food in your house? And I'm like, and as someone who has both lived a disgusting bachelor life and have also experienced the homes of other disgusting bachelors, I'm like, these are legitimate questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. No, same. I was like, no, Baz, these are all, like, very legit things. All right, my first note is just body posy Baz. I really love, I really love it. He's just like, bodies come in all shapes and sizes. People can get over it if they're judging you for thinking that you have a hump. And I love it. I also love it. So, and also, if you've ever ridden public transit in cities as large as London, like so much weird shit happens. I mean, maybe that's just I'm thinking of New York, <laughs> but I'm like, so much weird shit happens on the train. I'm like, I think, Simon, you're not even on the scale of like weird things that are happening are going to happen. So Yeah. But yes, I do love that part. It's like, that's right. Yeah. Uh, all right. I love the bit where Penny is like, oh, it's called the whistling ogre. Like, they're not even trying. And I'm like, oh, Penny, have you just not been to enough pubs to know that so many English pubs have names like this? I mean, honestly, if someone told me that there was a town in England called the whistling ogre, I'd be like, sounds true. Absolutely checks out. So, Yeah. Yeah, there's probably honestly a like pop up that sp- that sells really expensive men's grooming products called the Whistling Ogre, like right now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> uh, um, I love all of the jokes that are made, like regarding you know Shepard trying to get this 
translation done, you know, and people saying things that are just like, ooh. So the first one that we get is someone being like, you don't want to go copying something that you can't read could end up summoning something ugly or worse, too pretty. You're like, yeah, (laughs) could end up engaged to a demon, for example. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, and she being like, oh, about that. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That ship has already sailed. That ship is halfway across the globe. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of, oh my god, the, honestly, the the pub scene in chapter thirty is just such a rich text. But I like how the ent bartender is like, do y'all, what do you think this is? The Da Vinci Code, like national treasure? And I'm like, wow, you're really watching these movies to be like what do you think this is i know it's so funny because he specifies the starring for each of them and i'm like is this is this a joke because people get those two movies mixed up that has to be what's happening right as like people confuse which actor was in which of which movie i assume so if i was like there's a joke is happening here that like i don't totally understand but i can tell that it's a joke so I have not watched either movie. I've not heard the best things about either movie. So I mean, I have not seen National Treasure, though. I think in this dark winter, I might actually watch it at some point. Uh, I've seen The Da Vinci Code. It is a pretty cheesy movie, but oh, my God, that one actress is very attractive and a good actress. And Sir Ian McKellen, one of my gay icons slash heroes is also in it trying to prove that the bible isn't real which i'm like honestly destroy religion this seems like (laughs) this is the thing i can get behind to like just you know try to upend the ridiculousness of christianity i'm like i'm here for this my dude i understand Mm -hmm. why you're not the villain in in my story (laughs) yeah anyway so yeah it is (laughs) very ridiculous yeah it's really funny that the end is um like what a what an absolute gift of a character um my last thing here this week is that i so i've read this book i guess three times probably three times and the thing that uh kipper says about like oh this is from a different dimension like this definitely isn't from earth 616 the first three times that i read that line i was like nothing i will not have even one thought about that and then today because i just finished watching loki season two like one (laughs) day ago and then reading about loki season two i like know what that means now and i was like hooray a new reference has entered my brain (laughs) i actually had to look it up because i'm like this sounds really familiar and i couldn't remember if it was a dc thing a marvel thing or a different sci-fi body of work because i'm like oh this sounds so i know i've read this before listeners it's a marvel thing uh earth 616 is the main timeline in which all of the Marvel things are happening, unless otherwise specified, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else here? Just that uh, Kipper, who apparently is really good at forgery and potentially some languages, is just out here with her Etsy shop selling pet portraits. (laughs) It's 
it's so cute. And I'm like, that's right. Branch out from like maybe this thing you started doing to make to make money to into your passion. I'm like, good for you. Yeah. So. And the fact that the maybe community f- supports her, even if, you know, they're maybe not tell like referring people to her to do it, but her work is up in the Whistling Ogre. Like they're displaying it on the walls. It's probably got a little like price sticker in the corner and you can buy it if you want to. And that's so sweet. I know. It's very, it's very supportive and I love it. Yeah. Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. Um, I'm annoyed at Penny right now. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> She's just... <laughs> Okay, you know, you know, in our episode about the Strange New Worlds musical, when I was like, Spock is the only person here not having fun, and that's a choice. I kind of feel like Penny is not having fun, and that's a choice. And I think that it gets on my nerves a lot, because it's like a thing that I like recognize in myself and have worked really hard to to be like, I'm not having fun right now, and that's a choice. Like, I could just chill the fuck out and actually be having fun if I would just like let myself and so you know Shepard has this like undullable joy and shine and that's great but I think a lot of people paired with Penny would be like you're making me miserable you know she's like I don't know if she's lucky. Shepard is lucky that he's not a person who gets brought down by other people being a killjoy. But I don't when she's like, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't play darts. Pubs are so boring. I was like, maybe learn how to play darts. Like, cool, don't drink or smoke. But like, darts is fun. Pool is fun. There are things you can do in pubs that are fun. And they're like a warm place to hang out inside at night. Like, maybe learn how to play darts. <laughs> I know. I actually, I have a note about that and that I, that I just end with. And this is why I would not have been friends with her in my 20s, which isn't <laughs> to say that I didn't have friends who like didn't party as hard as I do. You know, like not everyone wants to drink. You have to like accept that. And there's stuff you can do at a bar that like if there's stuff at the bar that's like if they have a pool table, like a darts board, you can, can order a, a soda or a, like fizzy water or a Shirley Temple, whatever, and, like, still, like, hang out. Right. Exactly. Unless you're, like, sober, I think it's it's good to be like, what can I do at this pub that is joyful if it's, like, one of the few places that it's, like, easy to go hang out and do a thing? I don't know. Yeah, she's just being a killjoy, and I was annoyed with her. <laughs> Yeah. And it's just so funny because Shepard's like, oh, yeah, also, like, don't stare at anyone. And she's, like, seeing all of this shit that, like, she clearly has not experienced before, but still, like, like, there isn't a little bit of awe about being like, wow, a literal tree person is serving me a ginger ale, like, presumably within... I don't know, walking distance of my flat? Like, are you kidding me? That's fucking that's fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like Shepard probably would not have gotten this far in his meeting more magical, meeting more maybes if he wasn't so unflappable in his, like, cheer and openness. Yeah. So, I mean, what an icon. What a, what a role model in that regard. <laughs> yeah, for real. 
<sighs> so, yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Shepard a little bit? We can. I don't have any notes about him here, but we can if you do. Yeah, I do. Just, I, there's a couple times when he's just so, his people skills, you know, I don't have like the best people skills. And so I think I'm really in awe of Shepard's people skills. And like, when the aunt is like, why did you come to this bar looking for a linguist? Like, did you just stop at the first magical pub you found after you got off the plane and expect to find them and Shepard is like I can see why it might seem that way I was like <laughs> what a great answer <laughs> incredible work sir yeah his maneuvering through all of this is yeah it is impressive I'm like yeah you're doing a great job at just being so personable uh and it's funny when Penny is like when the end is like to Shepard's like, oh, I, I see that you're a good guy. And Penny's like, how? How are you judging this? And I'm like, <laughs> he's doing real well about yeah. just literally, essentially walking off of an airplane and walking into this pub. <laughs> yeah, for the, all the vibes are on. Like, the, the vibes <laughs> yes. are excellent. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Make Shepard love a Doctor Who companion. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> Oh, he would be the best. Yeah, the other thing that he says that I, like, laughed out loud at was when they're about to go in the pub and he's, Penny's like, I need a cover story. He's like, cool, you're a muskrat maiden. Um, And she's, like, not having it. And he's like, Penny, like, chill out. It'll be fine. Just stay behind me and stay quiet. Like, meaning, I'll handle it. Like, you don't need to be this worried. And she, just being so obstinate is like oh is that a woman's place and shepherd is like nice muskrat maidens are notoriously thin-skinned and i was like that is just magnificent <laughs> like what what a way to just maneuver through what would have what could have easily become a like fight it's just like great you're method acting i love it <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, instead of feeling the need to be like, you know, that's not what I meant or like get like worried or defensive. He's just like, just water off a duck's back, water off a duck's back. Yeah. Um, And my only other thing about him is just that his like deep and genuine interest in Kipper's paintings is so unbelievably charming. I love him. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I... I would also be like, oh my God, yes, show me all of your, show me all of your artwork. Are you kidding me? Like, I want to see a watercolor of like someone's cat wearing a bow tie. Yes, please. Exactly. (laughs) So, and I think, I don't know. I just feel like in general, that's like a, if you can muster the enthusiasm to like, be like, yes, tell me about this thing that you're like interested or passionate about. People will tell you and be like, you're my new best friend. Uh, and I'm just like, good, good job, Shepard. We don't need to just cut to the chase of the matter, you know? Yep. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. I only have two small things. Okay. Number one, which is, okay, since Kipper brings up that, like, the language isn't of Earth 616, LOL. And I'm like, wait, is she saying that this, I mean, clearly this, 
universe isn't in the Marvel universe or else we maybe would have. But like, I'm also kind of like, maybe not. Cause I'm just like, is this a just known parallel universe of this universe? Or is somehow the world of Any Way the Wind Blows also somehow in the like universe that Marvel takes place in? <laughs> I think that we are supposed to assume that like the Marvel baseline universe is our universe, despite the fact that obviously those things aren't actually happening in our lives. But I think yeah. Earth 616 is supposed to be like, you know, the main timeline. And so that's supposed to be ours as well. Okay. Because so I was just like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. That makes sense. Okay. No, that, that makes more sense. So I just wanted to say that we spent so long on the Gailey Prophet trying to figure out what to call magical people that aren't humans, right? And we landed on non-human magical person and then here comes fucking rainbow rowell with maybe magical being and i was like i know i know right uh. (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's good i'm like this is the exact shorthand that we needed yeah all this time all this time yeah That was literally my other thing, being like, yeah, so, so much time being like, oh, we need, want to have a world that's not magical creatures, because that's a little fucked up, and it's like, here you go. Yep. Yep. So. So frustrating. Also, you know, kudos. It's great. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Another string of, unfortunately, not very sexy chapters. We do get Simon being amused at Baz blushing over something that he said, even if Simon was like, he doesn't actually blush, because again, he's anemic, essentially. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, he does all the other things that I know that he's blushing. And I'm like, that's very cute. (laughs) Yeah. I also liked Uh, that Simon was like, literally everywhere we go, girls are checking Baz out. Which I, I, I personally think must be like such a nice feeling to be like, yeah, he's mine, you know? I mean, I don't mean that in a like gross mind way, but like, I'm going to go home and sleep on my mattress on the floor with him. Uh, yeah. And everyone around us is like, so into him. That's like, mm-hmm. very validating <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah. <sighs> Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and research that we did. Uh, yeah, okay. So, Muskrat Maidens, I think, are a creation of just this book, which is deeply funny to me. And pulling from, I think, maybe the obvious comparison of, maybe not comparison, but of ladies who can remove their animal skin is, of course, Selkies, uh, the many silky traditions about seal people, normally ladies who kind of remove their seal skin and become human looking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was doing a little bit of research about muskrats. And so, yeah, Penny's just like, what the fuck? And <laughs> and Shepard's like, oh, yeah, I guess people aren't really trapping muskrats like that anymore. Um, big, bigger, bigger thing in the Americas because muskrats are 
native to North America. Um, indigenous folks of North America have been trapping them for fur and for meat for many thousands of years. And of course, eventually Europeans get in on that during colonization. Not so much, it seems, the muskrat usage in general of trapping, just because, I mean, fur in general isn't a thing that a lot of folks, a lot of like mainstream societies wearing much anymore. Though I did find hilariously in the Wikipedia article about muskrats that specifically in Michigan, the Catholic church was like, you can't eat meat during Lent, but you can't eat muskrats. <laughs> Real weird. Uh, apparently a couple of years ago, there was a Catholic during Lent dinner that involved muskrat meat, um, which I'm also just like, again, Catholicism is a very strange thing. That is so weird. <laughs> and I'm like, why of all things this? Here's my theory that I just came up with, is that you're allowed to eat fish during Lent, so maybe it's because it's a water mammal. Yeah. Although you can't eat duck or, I don't know, beaver. I feel like my hypothesis is, like all things, I bet back in the day, someone who was like a bishop in Michigan had like either themselves or someone they knew was like making a bunch of money trapping muskrats, and it's like... You know what you could do to really improve my business is to have the local Catholics be able to eat muskrat during Lent. Yeah, or maybe there was like a muskrat overpopulation problem and they were like, oh, we can solve this. by." <laughs> oh, that's so weird. But okay. But the, also that maybe not the weirdest thing is that apparently muskrats are or introduced in Europe and parts of Asia and are now an invasive species because mm. again you shouldn't bring in animals that don't have as many natural predators uh, as they do in their home in their homeland uh, so conceivably there could be actual muskrat muskrat maidens in Europe <laughs> because there are now muskrats mus muskrats in Europe interesting yeah, as yet another invasive species. Yeah. I uh, I wanted to talk about how Shepard gets them into this pub, if yes. you're willing. So I'm going to read it for the listener who didn't read along with us. So the uh, door... What the heck is the, the name of the job for the person who lets you into the pub? The bouncer. The bouncer. Thank you. Uh, so she says... This is a private club. Are you a member? And Shepard goes, I'm a friend of the establishment. I've walked the hills and crossed the rivers. I've sat in the dark and never asked for a light. I carry no weapon, though I may not come in peace. And there's enough in my purse to cover the night. Her mouth is flat. I suppose that'll do, she says, opening the door behind her. And I'm like, what just happened? Tell me, like, what just happened? <laughs> Um, yeah, I was also wondering what was going on. Some, some sort of password of some kind, I guess. But I don't know. I guess, I don't know. I feel like walking the hills, I feel like is maybe a, a reference to like the fairy or the fae. Because I feel like, like going under the hill or under hill is part of like fae 
lore. Mm-hmm. So I I guess I have to assume that these things that he's saying is like in reference to other kind of like maybe lore that if you or yourself are magical being would the, whatever the general par- ballpark of thing be able to say to get into like these kind of places wherever you go. Yeah. It like it almost reads like a riddle, but it's not a riddle. It's some sort of like cred establisher and i'm just like but it does it does sound like a string of answers to a riddle you know yeah so yeah i guess it has like the ring of some kind of almost like a ritual because Mm -hmm. i believe at the end of that passage the banter's like uh americans Uh (laughs) which makes it seem like shepherd was really extra with his password to this club (laughs) yeah agreed agreed (laughs) So I I guess that, yeah, I guess that, like, leads me to believe that, like, right, there must be some kind of, like, shared references between wherever maybes gather in a place like a pub where it's not just, like, you and a bunch of other Ents. It's, like, a bunch of other magical people are gathering. So it's, like, we got to have some kind of, some kind of code word, some kind of something that, like, everyone might have some kind of shared knowledge about in order to get in. Yeah. But yeah, it does sound like a lot of weight to what he is saying. Yeah. It's neat. I like it. And I like mm-hmm. that we that we don't know, that we're just left to be like, what just happened? Yeah. It sounds almost like something that a hero in a fairy tale would have to say in order to like leave their cursed, enchanted, whatever mm-hmm. kind of deal. Uh, what else do you have here? Uh, Penny is so bewildered by the gnome. That shows that, like, yeah. is in the bar next to her. And I'm like, it's a lawn gnome. It's wearing overalls. She's like, it's some kind of a builder. I'm like, it's a lawn gnome. And I'm like, and of course I'm just like, holy fuck, it's a lawn gnome. And then I'm like, Penny has no idea what a lawn gnome looks like. And I'm like, granted, I guess I don't know. Because I know that, like, lawn gnomes have been a, like, American quiche, quiche uh, Jesus, American Kitsch thing since I think the 70s or whatever. But I guess I don't know if the culture of like specific little lawn gnomes with like pointed hats and like overalls is really a thing outside of Germany, which is I think from what I can tell where the sort of ornamental gnome originated from. (laughs) So I'm going to guess that they must be because we also have the like gnome joke in Harry Potter where the burrows yard like garden is infested with like actual gnomes so they that has to be reference right yeah oh I have the Wikipedia entry open and it looks like Literally the first sentence under the 20th century. Garden gnomes were further popularized when Sir Frank Crisp, the owner of the second largest collection of garden gnomes in the UK, opened his Friar Park, Henley on Thames Estate, to the public at least once a week from 1910 to 1919. But it looks like the sort of uh, garden gnome trend declined after World War I, but became popular again after Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Interesting. Oh, Tom Major Bell, father of former British Prime Minister John Major, was the most notable producer at the time with his company, Major's Garden Ornaments. But that was also like in the 30s. So it seems like back in the day, I cannot tell what 
Oh my God. Gnomes have become controversial in serious gardening circles in the United Kingdom and were for a time banned by the prestigious Chelsea Flower Show. As the organizers claimed that they detracted from the garden designs. <laughs> wow. That's so silly. Let people oh have God. fun. So it seems like garden gnomes may be a contentious part of <laughs> <laughs> UK cultural tradition, but it's there. So it is even more funny that Penny is like, the fuck is happening? <laughs> yeah, that is really funny. I know. Why do people hate fun? What is more fun than a garden gnome? I think it has to be a specific kind of garden gnome or like a specific way of displaying them because I do feel like they really can be on either side of the line between like good tacky and bad tacky. You know, you have to go all in if you're going to good tacky with a with a garden gnome. So, yeah. This is true. Yeah, I actually don't have anything else in this section. Cool. Yeah, my only other thing here is just, there's an end, but I feel like we talked about that sufficiently. So. Yeah. Oh, obviously, if from from Tolkien. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If you haven't, oh, wow. If you listen to this whole thing being like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because you haven't read or watched Lord of the Rings. They're tree people. It's a tree that's a person. Yeah. We even get a species of tree here. Um, yeah. Which we... Don't really get in... I'm thinking about the movie Lord of the Rings. I feel like maybe there's a couple of trees that, like, look different than the other... Like, the Ents have a sort of vibe that is reminiscent of other trees, but I don't think it's ever... It's been a long time since I've seen Lord of the Rings, about this, the whole trilogy. But I'm like, I'm pretty sure some of them look like maybe like a willow tree, or like a pine tree or whatever, but it's never really... I don't necessarily know if the design of them is specifically like, this is an oak tree, but a person. Right. Yeah. But this one is a rowan. Mm-hmm. Which makes it immune to magic, apparently. Yeah, the it looks like the mythology around rowan trees, at least in the UK, is that they it repels witches and magic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, I mean, as Penny points out, uh, being probably immune to some degree to magic is probably a good thing if you're a bartender in a magical pub. Yeah, yep, definitely. Though... It does seem, I, I guess it's hard to say just because all of the, almost all of our protagonists that we spend the most time with are young people. And anytime we get an older POV, it's about a specific thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like, do mages go to these clubs, pubs of probably not? No, I don't think so. Because Penny is like shocked that these creatures are like living in london at all i think that mages suck so much that these maybes are like probably avoiding mages more than they're avoiding normals honestly and for good reason yeah i do feel like i'm like i bet fiona has gone to this pub before oh yeah (laughs) or a pub many pubs like it i mean obviously the ones where vampires hang out she has been to for obvious reasons um I also just imagine Fiona just going into a dive bar and then only then inside realizing it's full of maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, but no, I, I think you're right. I think that she, <laughs> there's definitely some mages who go to places like this and are fine. Although, I mean, Fiona also probably, she's she's a bit of a like hard to pin down because like, She's so invested in her, like, old ways family lineage, which, you know, Baz is like, our family hasn't eaten fairies for at least, like, 
two generations or something like that. You know, I think the 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 pitches are quite speciesist. So it's hard to hard to say. Hard to say on Fiona. Yeah. I guess I'm just I guess I'm just imagining if there are the punk and the nonconformist mages, I can imagine going to pubs like this. Yeah. But yeah, maybe not our at least our our protagonists at this point who are in a lot of ways kind of conventional. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Simon and Baz though are gonna like that's probably gonna become like a regular place for them because it's going to be so important for Simon to have community where he can just like have his wings out and feel like one of them, you know? That is very true. Yeah, that is definitely, this is definitely a place he can go to like, right, have some drinks. And it's like, no one cares that you're a gay dragon. (laughs) Right, exactly. Uh, Which, I mean, I wish that for all of us, truly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The future liberals want... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, cool all right we did it okay thank you all so much for listening to this episode of escape from reality we will be back uh next month reminder we're only coming out once a month for the next little bit while the gay pirate podcast is coming out so if you like our flag means death listen to the gay pirate podcast because that's coming out um so next month we'll be reading chapters 31 and 32 and what else uh please leave us a five-star written review on apple podcasts and tell all of your friends about us it's really helpful and it makes us happy uh check the show notes for everything and until next time scott